0: Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Friday, September the 16th. And our top story today is that a Margate man who stalked a woman and left her scared to leave her own home has avoided being sent to prison. 28-year-old Anthony Laslett from Addington Street drove past his victim's house 15 times. He also breached a court order by following her on TikTok. While well, our reporter Sean Axdor was in court for this case. Sean, thanks for joining us first can you tell us how this all started
1: well initially the pair were friends but Lassler wanted a romance and his victim Annabel Holland's rebuffed his advances then last year she was forced to apply to the magistrates court for a temporary stalking order which prevented him from knowingly being near or contacting her but Lazlo just ignored the order and deployed various methods to control Miss Holland's movements to gain her attention
0: his victim must have been terrified what measures did she end up taking
1: As well as driving by her house and following her on social media, he went to a bowling alley where he was banned and also followed her in his van, while smirking. Uh, She told the court in a statement, I'm in pure fear of Anthony Laslett, he makes me so scared that I don't want to go out. In fact, Nick, she said she didn't leave her home apart from at times when she left to see her mum, and remember, all of this was going on while there was a stalking order in place. Um, she she went on. She continued. It's got to that point now where I'd rather video call people than go out because I'm scared. She added. She walks outside with a video camera, a body camera, in case he is following her, and she feels jumpy and paranoid. She went on during this last year and a half dealing with a stalker it has really affected my life and the things i do
0: but he breached that temporary order didn't he
1: yes when the permanent order eventually kicked in it banned laslett from entering bugsy's ten pin bowling in margate but he trampled all over the rules and he just went there regardless
0: so when sentence was handed down sean what did the judge say
1: judge Catherine brown handed him 28 weeks suspended for 18 months she said by suspending his sentence it would allow her to enforce more stringent measures on him for longer, it would provide more help to protect Miss Holland and anyone else he fixates on while increasing the chance of rehabilitation. He must complete 45 probation days, 150 hours of unpaid work and pay £1,000 compensation to his victim. Also, a three year restraining order, which was already in place from the Magistrates' Court. Well, that will continue to run.
0: Sean, thank you ever so much. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today. And an inquest has heard how a Folkestone man died after a bus crashed into a shelter he was waiting at. 70-year-old John Spearpoint was waiting at Folkestone bus station when a stagecoach service crashed through metal railings last month. He underwent emergency surgery but later died at a London hospital. The inquest has been adjourned while a police investigation continues. At Kent Online today, you can see CCTV images of a man who police are looking for after a woman's bank card was stolen in Ashford. She reported being distracted by someone who told her the ATM at Tesco in Park Farm wasn't working. The victim, who's in her 60s, later found money had been taken from her account from another cash machine. A 10-year-old girl's been left covered in glass after a bus hit scaffolding in Canterbury. It happened as the double-decker travelled along North Lane in the city. Stagecoach say they're investigating what happened. The number of people who've crossed the English Channel to Kent in small boats this year is nearing 30,000. A further 617 in 14 vessels made the dangerous journey yesterday, taking the total to more than 29,700. Nearly 40 people also had to be rescued after their boat from France sank. Now, this is one of our most read stories today. There's concern noisy people could disturb residents in part of Canterbury as bars and restaurants moving in to a new leisure complex, supply to stay open into the early hours occurs on cinemas already launched at the 115 million pound Riverside development in Kingsmead, and a licence has been granted for a brewdog craft beer bar. Now the company behind Sequoia wants to serve people until 3am when it eventually opens. Those against it say late-night drinking should not be encouraged what a decision's due to be made next month. We'd love to know what you think. You can get in touch by commenting on the story at Kent Online or via our socials. Now, as people continue to queue to see the Queen's coffin at Westminster Hall, it's been confirmed the Queen's Green Canopy Initiative has been extended in Kent and across the country until March next year. It's to give more of us the opportunity to plant a tree in memory of Her Majesty. The idea was originally created to mark the Platinum Jubilee, with plaques being made by veterans at the Royal British Legion Industries in Aylesford. Lisa Farmer is their chief exec. Her Majesty really wanted our To be involved. And we were chosen as one of the few to provide the plaques for her initiative, the Green, uh, Queen's Green Canopy. And so, what Her Majesty wants is for everybody to plant a tree in her Jubilee year and then to have a plaque to, to recognise that. Um, and already 2,000 have been planted and purchased. And what we think now, particularly, if everybody could buy a tree, buy a plaque uh, this autumn, what a fitting legacy and tribute it would be to Her Majesty in a, a Jubilee year. Absolutely. So your work, you're prepared to continue with that good work then to produce these plaques? <laughs> We certainly are. Our veterans are making them. They're so proud to be making them. We're so proud to be associated with the initiative. And it showed, again, her majesty's support to veterans um, in the UK. Now, if you're planning to drive into London this weekend, there's a warning to leave plenty of extra journey time. Highways bosses say the roads will continue to be very busy over the weekend of National Morning. Also, a reminder, Southeastern are continuing to run extra train services throughout the night as more of us head to the capital to pay our respects. And finally, it's been confirmed churches, town halls, community centres and libraries will be allowed to show Monday's state funeral without a TV licence. The decision's been made so communities can get together. Ordinarily, by law, you'd need a licence to watch or record programmes as they're shown on TV or if they're streamed online. But sometimes there's dispensation in exceptional circumstances. A reminder, though, this only applies to community screen And not private events. Now, the state funeral gets underway at 11 a.m. on Monday. That day, as you may know, is now a bank holiday. Over on our sister radio station, KMFM, we will have regular bulletins from 7 a.m. We'll have updates every half an hour until 7 in the evening. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group. With car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone, the boss of a homeless charity is urging people to have more compassion after a number of tents housing homeless people were spotted in parks in Medway. Now, dog walkers have said they're worried about people sleeping rough near to where they normally exercise their pets. But Neil Charlick from Gillingham Street Angels says the cost of living crisis means more are falling on hard times. The council say they're committed to doing everything they can to help rough sleepers across the towns and. An Ashford woman says she might have to scrap her Mercedes after a vandal smashed the windscreen and a window. Images at Kent Online show the extent of the damage to the car in Kennington, which will cost almost £1,000 to repair. The 36-year-old owner, who's only lived in the area for a year, says she's been left shaken up and police have been made aware. More Ashford news and a road near to the hospital has been completely closed off after several voids were found under the tarmac. Temporary traffic lights have been in place on Kennington Road for almost two months after problems were discovered near the William Harvey Hospital. Now, southern water workers have found more issues, including a damaged sewer. Well, a diversion has been put in place, but it's thought the works could take around a month to complete. Also in Ashford, plans to develop a former sheltered housing complex, which has become a target for vandals have been rejected. The council had been hoping to knock down Oakley House in Watercrest Lane and turn into dozens of apartments, including for adults with learning difficulties. But fears about the loss of a nearby green space had been the main sticking point. Now, a children's author from Canterbury is hoping a story she wrote after her goddaughter was diagnosed with cancer will not only raise awareness, but also encourage more funding for research. 12 children and young people in the UK are diagnosed with cancer every day, but it's feared many parents don't know what signs to look out for. We've been speaking to Rebecca Smith, whose friend's little girl was one of them.
2: I had written lots of stories before and um, have often used storytelling as a way of dealing with things that I find challenging um, and that I see children finding challenging. Um, So my daughter's best friend, who's also my goddaughter, Daisy, was diagnosed with cancer shortly after her second birthday. My immediate response, as in literally that evening, I sat down to write her a story. And I suppose my um, my aim really, initially, was to write something that would just help her and her family to have a, a hopeful outlook and, and help her during her treatment. Um, but of course, the trouble was is that I couldn't finish it <laughs> because because I didn't know what Daisy's ending was going to be, and I didn't want to jinx anything. And so I um I actually put the put the story into the drawer for quite a long time until she was responding well to chemotherapy. Um, regrettably, and this was the case with Daisy, a lot of children um, are very very poorly by the time they're diagnosed. Um, sadly, there's there's actually very little awareness about childhood cancer, despite the fact that it is the leading cause of death for children in the UK. Um, people, you have seen, you raise your eyebrows there. Uh, it, it, that's an extraordinary statistic. In some respects, it shows us that we have really good health outcomes in other areas, but it's also desperately sad and quite shocking. And and one of the reasons for that is that um, there is a lack of awareness, and because of that lack of awareness, a lot of children. Are, are diagnosed really quite late. Um, perhaps they they may have had quite a number of trips to the GP before anyone thinks to consider cancer as an option. Um, and so a lot of those children are very very poorly by the time they actually receive treatment. And that was the case for Daisy as well. Um, very fortunately, she did respond well, and I was able to write her happy ending, or rather, she wrote her own, and I just put it into a story (laughs) you
0: mentioned those statistics which were a shock to me and i imagine they'd be a shock to a lot of people which is why childhood cancer awareness month is so important
2: absolutely it's important for two reasons firstly obviously the last thing you want to do is for parents to be paranoid but you do you know we have we have those um apps that tell us about um, meningitis and the signs to look for, and 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 you know we all cut up our grapes, cutting our grapes in half, you know, so that our children don't don't choke on a grape, and and all of these things are vitally important. But it's also true that um, that cancer is one of those things that people don't necessarily think about, and there isn't an app, and there isn't a great deal of information out there for parents to know what to look for, and and I think a lo- you know there there are a lot of um, there are a lot of happy endings. But there are there are some very very sad endings as well, and with with greater awareness, we can we can we can improve the prospects for children with cancer, and we can we can make sure it's spotted sooner. Um, the first ever parliamentary debate on childhood cancer happened just two days before Super Daisy was published, which is fantastic that it's being that that awareness is being brought to the issue in government. Um, but it's shocking as well, that that was the first ever debate given the statistics. And so um, obviously the hope is that by, by taking it to government, we can improve funding because often children are treated with very, very harsh um, medication, the same medication that's used for adult cancers, because there hasn't been the investment there to, to improve treatment, to, to improve and provide kinder treatments. For children, um, childhood cancer is very different to adult cancer, and we need to invest to ensure that it is treated in a more targeted way that actually prevents some of those awful um, late effects um, that come not from the cancer, but from the the treatment which adults' children's bodies even though it may save their lives.
0: It's obviously quite a, it's not a very pleasant topic for us, right. you know, when when you think about the children and the things that their bodies have to go through. How was it trying to take a subject so sensitive and, and so shocking as cancer and write it as a children's story? When I started
2: writing, that, that wasn't even something that really occurred to me. Um, I just had to create a positive narrative. There there has to be a positive narrative. Now, of course, as adults, we are aware of what the word cancer means. Um, Children aren't, they they don't have the associations that we do. And and so I think we're often fearful of using the word and of talking about cancer with kids um, because we carry all the associations. And, um, and we're frightened of introducing those concepts. But, but it's really important that we do have conversations with our children. Um, and Super Daisy provides a really, actually very joyful and upbeat and empowering narrative that enables us to get into and out of some quite challenging conversations with our children.
0: You mentioned before as well that uh... Daisy has responded to treatment. Has she read the story? Does she love it? Does she recognise herself in the pages?
2: She does. She really, yeah, she does. It's really. I think she finds it really exciting. And and you know, obviously Daisy was actually very little, so she, her recollection of um, of being very very poorly is is quite fair. And also, she didn't know any different. You know, a lot of kids when they're very small, they don't they they don't know any different. So, um, I think it's it's maybe helped her to see things through a different lens as well um and actually i've had some wonderful feedback from other other children um great ormond street have 30 copies of super daisy and um they i i received a wonderful message recently of a little girl who um actually has a pink wig and she had scored out the word Daisy and written her name. Um, <laughs> so clearly children going through this do recognize themselves in the pages, um, but I hope as well that all children will recognize something in, in those pages, the ability to to find our deepest strengths in times when we're facing some of our greatest challenges. Um, I hope that's something we can all take away from this book.
0: Her book, Super Daisy, is raising money for the Little Princess Trust. If you haven't heard of them before, they actually make wigs for children who are undergoing treatment. And September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And a dad from Canterbury has also spoken out and described his disbelief after his daughter went to the doctor with a broken arm, only to be told she had cancer after further tests were carried out. Darcy Chandler was diagnosed with leukaemia when she was just four years old and now wants to help other children like her beat the disease. Her family are encouraging people to donate towards Cancer Research UK for children and young people. Kent Online reports. We now know when the first Las Iguanas restaurant in Kent is going to open. The Latin American chain is setting up a branch in Long Market in Canterbury. Bosses say they're applying the finishing touches and will welcome customers from the 26th of this month. People living in Whitstable are being asked what they think about the impact of Airbnb. It's thought there are now around a thousand holiday lets in the town and some claim it means the area is losing its identity Well a public meeting due to take place tonight has been cancelled because we're in the official time of mourning but a survey is available online A reminder, a food and drink festival due to take place in Medway this weekend has also been postponed Organisers have made the decision as it was going to take place in Rochester Castle Gardens but that's being used by people leaving flowers in memory of the Queen And the annual Oyster Festival in Whitstable is back this weekend. It'll take place in and around East Quay venue and Long Beach until Sunday. This year's event also includes tours to see the oyster beds and find out how they're farmed.
3: Kent online sports
0: cricket first up today, and it's a massive weekend for Kent. They're taking on Lancashire in the final of the One Day Cup. Interim head coach Simon Cook says he's proud of how far the squad have come.
3: It is satisfying to, to not only as, as a coach, but as a as a playing unit, to see that see that journey, see that development, both individually and collectively, um, developing those roles, understanding those roles, understanding the rhythm of, of One Day cricket, um, and having that belief in in each other. In their own skills and each other's skills to to get over the line and we saw in a number of the games in the latter stage of this group game how tight the games were going down to the game here where Grant hit ball six uh to win the game you know Potters two balls to spare um getting us over the line so you know those sorts of experiences are, are are vital and um, and it is really encouraging to see see the guys coming through on those 50 50s um, so so often you can see it and you come down on the wrong side wrong side of it but it's a sign of a, of a good side it's a sign of a side that believes in each other that do come down on the right side
0: the game takes place at Trent Bridge tomorrow all-rounder darren stevens who's leaving at the end of the season says there's a lot of excitement in the camp
3: another trophy to fight for um... A lot of excitement, a lot of calmness though. There's a lot of, you know, calm's been the word over the last probably six games, five six games. Um, you know, calm, calm team, and we perform. So it's, uh, yeah, excitement, calmness. Um, obviously, a big nerves deep down, but yeah. Yeah. And Joe sort of mentioned that you've almost sort of been playing knockout cricket before everyone else. Do you think that's that's helped? It does, yeah. It was sort of a carefree sort of attitude, you know? Let's yeah. just go out and enjoy it and have a bit of fun. And, um, you know, don't be afraid to play funky shots and mm. shots you've been practicing and all that sort of stuff. You know, Robbo's the one, you know, we said to him, just go out and enjoy your cricket. And he's mm. gone out. Probably been the best batter of the comp, hasn't he? You know, yeah. with that 200 early on, first game actually. Yeah. Um, but he's just been consistent all along. Um, yeah, it's exciting times. And a chance to play at Trent Bridge, obviously you'd have done it before, and a few of them would have done, but a few players wouldn't have done. So it's uh, quite an exciting occasion for them. Yeah, I'm glad it's at Trent Bridge because I've played four finals at Lords and lost all four. So <laughs> it's uh, yeah, different challenge, but it's a lovely ground, and you know, hopefully we just get a good pitch. Yeah, and obviously looking to repeat your semi semi final heroics, I guess. Do you know what? Hopefully. I don't get in and we knock them off. <laughs> but um, look, it'd be a fairy tale finish, wouldn't it? um you know, a little couple of wickets with a ball and then little 60 or 70 not out of the bat it would be amazing.
0: All the very best to Kent. We will have details of the result on the website. Plus, you can hear who won in bulletins over on our sister radio station, KMFM, on Sunday morning. Staying with cricket and Kent have boosted their squad ahead of the final two county championship matches of the season. They've signed fast bowler Conor McKerr on loan from Surrey. He's taken 41 wickets in 16 matches of the competition so far in his career. On to football, Angela. Welcome Mansfield Town to Priestfield this weekend. It follows their one-all draw at Grimsby on Tuesday night. The Jills have got just one win from their eight games in League Two so far this season, while the visitors are up in eighth place in the table. Defender Robbie McKenzie is looking forward to his first game at Priestfield since re-signing for the club. And we've been catching up with manager Neil Harris.
4: We're thriving at the moment. We're excited to be back at Priestfield. Um, It was a long trek on Tuesday um, and and I think where we're we're really excited is off the back of Swindon and in the atmosphere and the performance and and even though it was a nil-nil but a brilliant result in the circumstances. um, We can't wait to get going on Saturday. Been a lot of discussions over the last four months for Robbie to be here um, and I, I thought he played well. On, on, on Saturday, obviously we'll have to check on him over the next 48 hours to see where he is sort of physically, because he's his first game for, for four months, um, but he will be looking forward to Saturday and you know, he's a popular figure in, in the changing room but also on, with the terraces here um, and, and we think he's a you know, very good player at the level so you know, we're really pleased to have him, um, I know he's enjoyed um, you know, his first week back. Um, and we, we I thought he performed very well the other night and we look forward to seeing um, more solid performances from Rob. It's weird because obviously we've not had the results to back up some of the performances um, and we are in confident mood and we are looking forward to it and um looking forward to the atmosphere, definitely, um with the minute silence and then you know, singing the national anthem and really look forward to that and I know our fans will respond off the back of that and I expect my, my players to respond. Um, but yeah we're looking forward to it but, you know, we, we feel we're improving as a group yeah. and that gives us real heart to, to, to look forward to a game and speaking to Robbie he's expecting this to be a good season still I? I imagine that that's how you're feeling as well yeah it's, when, when you're not winning games but you know, we've lost a couple of tight games um, certainly Disappointing one, I think, was, was you know I can accept going to lose away from home at someone like Tranmere's, but when you lose at home to Harrogate, where you feel got sucker punched and being the better team and, and got done on the counter attack, then then that you know other than that, disappointing games we've not won because we've generally been the better team and and again go back, it's my job to make sure we get we get the results and players to take the ownership from it, but we know we're close, we know we're very close. Um, Hopefully, make his goal the other night, we saw uh, an outstanding performance from him after the goal. Um, it's given him great confidence and I think it's given team confidence in him as well. But we know if he plays like that, then we've got one hell of a number nine at the level.
0: Kick-off tomorrow is at three. You'll be able to follow the action at Kent Online. And finally, in tennis, Kent's Emma Radjikanu has lost in the second round of the Slovenia Open. The British tennis number one from Bromley was beaten in three sets by Anna lena Friedsam. The 19-year-old's won just four of her 31 matches this season in her first full year on the WTA Tour. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also now get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. And to do that, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. And whilst you're on the site today, don't forget, you can read the latest review from our secret drinker. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. Because of the bank holiday and the state funeral taking place on Monday, we will be back with the podcast on Tuesday. News you can trust.